about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, did you bring a Bible? Let's go to it this morning. Go to Isaiah chapter 10 this morning. Isaiah chapter 10. Thank you. She probably don't have a book. Give her a book back right over there. See, she's here for the first time today. Yeah, go ahead. She's doing something else right there. That's good. She's never been. To, oh, I'll give him book. There's a book. It sells for like three three million dollars, but you get it for free today just because you're a good God. Tax write off. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Isaiah chapter ten. Are you there? All right, look at verse 27 again. We were here last week. And it shall come to pass in that day, that means that day was coming, according to this prophet, that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, his yoke off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? The anointing. Once again, this was the prophet Isaiah. He was talking about a day coming when the anointing basically would destroy yokes and burdens that were in people's lives at that time. Now, these people, it gave them hope, but how many know it didn't give them victory? Because that day hadn't come yet. So basically they were waiting on that day. Notice what the anointing is supposed to do. Take away burdens. Destroy yokes. Essentially it's supposed to reverse the curse. Say reverse. Reverse. The curse. So the anointing once again when it came would give man the opportunity to rule over everything in their lives. That's why God created man to begin with. Gave him dominion so that he could rule and reign over things in the earth. So every problem, every situation that comes into your life, you have the ability to rule over it. Thank you for your underwhelming excitement this morning on something like that. Praise God. It's hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, you can rule over everything that comes into your life, every sickness that tries to attack you, every problem. All you've got to do is put the word and the power of God on it. The word and the anointing will take care of everything in your life. Praise God. So this was before that day. People were helpless. They were sick. They were down and out. Couldn't do anything about it. But there's a day coming. Say, that day is here. So we have a reason to rejoice, don't we? All right, go to Matthew chapter 1. I didn't even get a chance to read your note this morning that you gave me, but Kelly and, and Luann, just lay your hands on her right there behind you, right there, right there, right there. I can get a chance. You gave me a note this morning. She said something, she's got some kind of physical problem, so we're going to deal with that right now. I don't even have to read the note. God takes care of all notes. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the authority and the power this morning. I thank you that you put us in charge here on the earth. You said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. And I don't see any sickness up there anyway. Can't find it. So in the name of Jesus, I just declare your body to line up with the word of God this morning. I command whatever the non-function is to be functioning starting right now in the name of Jesus. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and praise you and give you glory that she is healed by the hands laid on her in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter one. All right. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary for thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is by the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now, this is the angel coming to Joseph, and the angel shows up and says, don't worry about Mary being pregnant because she's been pregnated by the Holy Ghost. Now, I know everybody would like to hear that in their relationship (laughs) before and after marriage, but notice, Jesus was conceived in her by the anointing or by the Holy Ghost. In other words, this was a supernatural spiritual conception that took place. Why did this take place? Because if Jesus would have been born through a man, he would have had corruption in him because every man that was born in the world regular had corruption in them. And what happened when they had corruption in them? Basically, they lost the anointing or they lost the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God cannot live in a corrupted thing. He has to live in a holy and righteous thing. So Jesus was born into the earth. He was born of God. He came to save people from their sins. But he also came so he could make you righteous. How many know he made you righteous? Not what you did, but what he did. By the blood of Jesus that made you righteous and made you a vessel for the Spirit of God to come and live on the inside of you again. What did that do? It gave you the anointing back that Adam had lost and gave you the power to rule over the curse and everything else in this natural realm, you will now have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. What's that Spirit of God in you for? It is for a purpose. Say a purpose. You may not know it, but on the inside of each and every one of you right now, there's a world changer. There's a water walker. There is a fire talker, praise God, on the inside of each and every one. And the Spirit of God came on the inside of you to reveal all truth to you so you understand not only the truth that's in the Word, but the truth of who you are. And what God has done on the inside of you and what's available. Now, why would God give you the power? Why would he give you the authority? Because he has some purpose for you to do in the earth that you cannot do without his ability and without his authority. But if you've got it, that takes, takes all the pressure out of that, doesn't it? I have the authority and I have the anointing. I have the power and I have the purpose I got to do. So I'm just going to apply those things and I'm going to do that. Praise God. Say, I have a purpose and I have the anointing to do that purpose in the earth. All right, go to John 1. This purpose will be revealed to you as you seek the Lord for yourself. You can go around and get a bunch of prophecies, all that stuff, but until you seek him earnestly for yourself and, and try to have a relationship with him, that's when God slowly tries to reveal because he can't throw you into a purpose where he's not involved in it to help you. Are you following me? See, all the wisdom and all the knowledge you get or most of it is from the Spirit of God on the inside of you so that you do things right the first time. A lot of people put on Facebook and everybody else, it's good to fail because you learn in failing. It's good to fall apart because you, well, it's a lot better not to. Come on. It's good to be in debt than you appreciate money. I'd rather have money and never fall in debt and still appreciate it. Come on now. 
Everybody trying to bring you back down. You don't have to go down anywhere. You've been brought up, raised and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And don't let anybody take your seat away from you, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God with some kind of stupid logic. All right, John chapter 1. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, how many of you have? Praise God. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of who? God. God. Now notice, if you have received him, say him. him. Notice you received a person. You received a him. You didn't receive an it. You didn't receive an experience. You didn't receive a goosebump. You received him when you got born again. Praise God. It is a real live person. You may have had a feeling or an experience, but basically that doesn't qualify you for receiving him simply by faith. You received a him on the inside of you. Are you following me? When I got born again, I mean, I got touched. You know what I mean? It just wasn't, I went down the altar, uh, thank you, Jesus, I went away, and everybody told me I was saved. When I, when I went to Jesus and I told him I was sorry and I wanted to change, let me know, I didn't have to ask where Jesus was. Jesus was all over me. I couldn't barely talk, I couldn't barely walk, I couldn't barely move, I couldn't barely, everything looked greener, the blue sky was bluer, the grass was greener, the flowers were flowery, everything was looking good. What happened? But my problem was when I left there, nobody told me that that's not a continuing experience. So you'd wake up three days later and you'd say, where'd you go? What happened to you? That darn blue sky just got cloudy again and grasses, you know, problems started coming, things started coming. I didn't know what the truth was and the truth was I was born of God and he was in me all the time whether I felt like it or I did not feel like it, God was living on the inside of me. So when you're born again, here it says you can grow up to be or choose to be a son of God. That means when you were born again, you were not a son, but you were a child. What's a child? One who's tossed to and fro with every wind of doctor, up today, down tomorrow, excited today, down and out. You meet them one day and you say, oh, I want to talk to them the rest of my life. You meet them the next day and say, I hope I don't see them again. (laughs) Why is that? Because they'll zap you, won't they? They'll take what God's got on the inside of you. So notice, he's given us the power or the right to choose when we got born again. Now, one thing that happened when you got born again, basically your nature was changed at that time by a miracle. In other words, the demonic nature on the inside of you was killed, and on the inside of you came the the nature of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the patience of God, the joy of God. Everything changed on the inside of you. You will never operate in this anointing until you operate in your identity. Are you listening? So you can't say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, now I'm going to release the power of God because there's none there. You've already clogged it. You've already, well, I'm just a worm and he's everything and I'm nothing. And no, no, it never says anywhere in the Bible you're a nothing, a worm, or nothing. Praise God. That's the devil. He may have got out of your spirit, but he's still talking to you in your mind, telling you what you can't do, what can't take place. No, you need to go what God does. And when you grow into that identity by faith, say by faith. And that's another thing. There's so much religion in the church. Everybody wants to get to a place by their works. And you don't, all you do is wear yourself out. Well, if I pray a little more, fast a little more, go to church more, do this more, do that more, do that, then I'm going to get there. No, you got there the day you got born again. Glory to God. That should be good news. That's good news to me. Because I was taught for years I had to do something to become. Nobody told me I became, and now I can walk in what I became rather than trying to become the rest of my life. So I'm wearing myself out, trying to become holy, trying to become righteous. And then I'd sin. Oh, my God, I'm never going to make it. I took two steps forward and eight steps back. And now i got to start over again. No, when I understood and had a revelation through faith in the blood that I was the righteousness of God in Christ, I started telling myself I was righteous. I started thinking myself righteous. I started believing righteous. And sin no longer had dominion over me. Simple, isn't it? 
That works in every, every area of your life, people. Give me more love. No, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the... Why don't you just claim it, believe it? I'm a lover. I may not feel like a lover, but I'm a lover. Praise God. You looking at a lover. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What do you do? What does a lover do? Loves. Don't get mad at people. Don't throw stuff at people. Don't talk about it. He just loves people. So I'm a lover. What am I? Well, let me tell you. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm never angry. I'm never rude. I'm 1 Corinthians 13. That's who I am. See, other people be saying, cuss somebody out and say, I just need more love. No, you need more revelation of who you are and what's on the inside of you and what you can do. See, all this stuff is by faith. You don't get any credit for this stuff. Don't try to get it. Well, I got here because. And don't give the car wreck. I'd never be this way if I didn't get ran over by a car. No, you'd be this way anyway. The car just woke you up, I guess, for being run over. Of course, that'd wake anybody up. God got me in the hospital, almost killed me because somebody needed prayer aside of me. Well, you could have went in there without going in there and almost dying to do. Come on now. Let's quit giving glory to everything but who deserves the glory, which is Jesus Christ who did everything for us, praise God. He just did everything, and that frees you up. There are no religious works anymore. I'm just going to walk in what he made me to do, and when I do that, the power of God on the inside of you starts churning. Say, starts churning. It bubbles up on the inside of you. And sometimes you'd just be walking down the road and all at once it'll come from the inside of you and you'll get goosebumps all over you and you're you're not praying. You're not trying to deliver somebody. It's just a reminder that, hey, I'm still here, praise God. Glory to God. I'm still here. He'd be driving a car and I'm like, there it is. I think, dear Lord, isn't it wonderful? I'm just looking at cows right now, driving across on 60. And here comes the anointing in my life just to tell me how much he loves me and how much he cares for me. And this is such a great thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it comes from stirring up on the inside and putting faith in what's already on the inside of you. So notice here it says you weren't born of flesh and blood either. When you got born again, you were born of God. Say, I'm born of God. So basically, you were born of God, too, on the inside of you. Everything that you had in the past can be eliminated immediately. You don't have to go through 42 steps. You don't have to go through 38 steps. You don't have to do penance. Basically, the day I got born again, I was completely delivered of everything in my life, praise God. Alcohol no longer appealed to me. Other things I was doing no longer measured up to things. Why? Because God instantly delivered me by the power of God. Hallelujah. And the more truth you know, the more you'll grow. Let me say this. The more truth you know, the more you'll flow. Because yes. the Holy Ghost isn't a do this, do that. He's a flow. Yeah. When we get into church service here, we try to get into a flow. Why is that? Because the flow, the Spirit of God's taking us one direction to minister to the people who are there because He knows what you need, and He'll take you in that direction. That's why you've got to be very careful, and I'm saying this in love. You've got to be careful when a flow is going in one direction just because you want to do something you got to make sure it's in that direction because you can shut it down just like that. Just like that, you can shut it down. You can do something in an opposite direction and all at once the Spirit of God just like disappears in the service. Ever been there when that happened? Man, I have. And I've had times when people jumped up and added to the flow. I mean, you know, they were in the flow. And all at once they started jumping in and this fit in with here and the Spirit of God started getting stronger. There's a flow to the Spirit of God basically when the anointing starts to move and you got to learn to detect that flow and go with that flow. And if you don't know if you're flowing or not, ask somebody who's in the flow and they'll tell you if you're flowing or you need to go. And I don't mean go. You understand? I mean, that's not the time. And I'm not saying it's not a godly thing you want to do. I'm not saying it's a good thing that you want to do. I'm saying that there's a flow that goes and basically when you get in that flow, it's like a river. It's, you don't have to put up any, any effort. You just lay back and the river just takes you. And other people, the flow starts and they want to jump in and start swimming upstream. <laughs> 
Come on now. You know what I'm talking about if you've been around the anointing. And you don't want that. You want the flow to keep going. You want that flow to go as far as it does. You want to hear what God wants to do, and you want to follow that flow. So say, the more truth I know, the more I will flow. All right, go to John chapter 3. All right, John chapter 3, look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, talking about Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This tells you that everybody needs to be born again. Say again. again. Now, how many know this is a spiritual rebirth? You're born again in your spirit so that the anointing of God can come on the inside of you. That's why Jesus said you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. Why? It won't worketh. So you're not going to have an anointing until you get born again. But then again, if you keep the same mindset of your old identity, you're still an old wineskin and God's trying to get the new. Amen. Amen. Are you following? You can't put new, new cloth on an old garment. Why it doesn't work? What's he talking about? You need to renew your mind to who you are. You know, the song that we sing, God knows you are. And as you do that, more of the anointing will start flowing out of the inside of you. It's going to be a lot easier to lay hands on somebody and heal them if you believe that God has given you the power and you're, you're redeemed and you've got healing power in you than if you believe you're a sinner saved by grace. Chances of you even laying hands on somebody is probably not going to do it because you're probably not going to do it. But notice, once again, he deals with identity here. He deals with who you are. You need to know your identity. So before all this happens, you need to be born again. How many of you have been born again? Yes. Well, that's good. Praise God. Now you're not born of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. By the Word of God. Hallelujah. So it talks about in the Bible, basically, that man all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When did that happen? It happened when Adam sinned. He came short of the glory or the power of God because the Spirit of God had to leave him, go back to heaven because he became contaminated. But how many know that's not the end of the story? No, there's more to the story. You can be born again. You can step right back into what Adam had before he made a mistake, and the Spirit of God can come on the inside of you, and you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, praise God. Everything that God did for you, he read you, R-E, read you. Do you know that? He restored you. Why? Because at one time you were stored. But after you were stored, Adam messed up. So God restored you. Where? Back to Genesis 1, where you're in his image and likeness, and he gave you all dominion, praise God. He wants to revive you. Why? Because you revived at one time. And now he wants to revive you. If you get revived and never get out of revival, you'll never be read again. See what I mean? Praise God. Hallelujah. So he read everything. He redeemed you. Everything you see, and now you have to receive him. Why is that? Because man had him at one time. Lost him. Now you have to receive him again. Come on. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive again the Holy Ghost. And how many know they did? So each and every one of us got to receive the Holy Ghost, basically, back on the inside. When we get born again, he comes on the inside. Now we got to acknowledge that he's here. The curse is still in the earth. How many of you know that? But it does not have dominion and power over you anymore. You have been redeemed. And it's not up to God whether you live redeemed or not. He told you to resist the devil. See? So it's got to do with us. So we're learning our place, aren't we? We're learning our position. We're finding out what we're put here for. We're going to start using our authority. We're going to start using the things that he gave us. Okay, go to John 14. 
right, John 14, look at verse 16. Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be where? In you. Jesus telling them what's going to happen, what's coming, what's on the way. He said, hey, hey, there's some good things coming. Matter of fact, he said, it's better for you if I go. How many know they probably didn't believe that? But he says, better for you if I go. Why? Because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit, and you can receive the Holy Spirit, and not only is he going to be with you, but he's now going to be in you. Say, in me. So if you read the New Testament, there's basically three level revelations of the Spirit of God and of God. Number one, God is for us. And if God is for us, who can? So how many know that guarantees you victory? That tells you that as long as God's on your side, you're in good shape. The second one was God was with us. How many know God is with us? Well, you know, back in the days of the disciples, Jesus basically was in place of the Holy Ghost at that time. And whenever he was with the disciples, God was them. They operated in power. They operated in everything else because God was with them. But Jesus says, there's a better dispensation coming for you because sooner or later, as soon as I go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost and he's not just going to be with you. He's just not going to be for you, but he's going to be in you. Now, how many of you know if he's in you, wherever you go, he is? See, you can't leave him at TCVC church building and come back and pick him up Wednesday night. And everybody says, Lord, I'm talking to the big man upstairs. Or the big man upstairs has come downstairs. And he's living on the inside of everybody. Praise God. Come on now. What's your perception? What do you see? Where do you see God? Oh, God. Or, oh, God. Right. Right. Where you're trying to get your information from? No. If it rains, I'll believe it's going to happen. No, right in here. The still small voice is living on the inside of you. It's instructing you. It's showing you. And the more you listen to that still small voice, the more you grow up. If you don't listen to it, you never grow up at all. You're, just same. You're like a little kid who doesn't listen to his parents. See, you'll still grow up to be a bratty Christian. It's funny, but do you know any? Oh, not so funny now, is it? Yeah, I know a bunch of them, praise God, yeah. Why is that? They don't listen to the Holy Ghost. They're still out here, and they're judgmental. Why? Because they're still trying to earn their way into everything with God and trying to perform for God and trying to do anything for God, and they can't do anything for God anyway, so they just, it just doesn't work for them, praise God. So they're miserable. So they need to know that it's by grace through faith, not of themselves. It is a gift of Almighty God, praise God, that has been given them. What are we doing? We're taking a religious devil, a lot of them, or off them, out of their mindset, and bringing them into the freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right, go to John chapter 4. I kept all these in John. You're welcome. You're welcome. Very welcome. All right, John chapter 4. This is a very revealing thing about the Spirit of God on the inside of you. This was at the woman at the well who was there, and she got in a conversation, and she said, I didn't think you talked to me. And Jesus said, I didn't think you talked to me. And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence, and where hast thou living water? How many know she didn't get it yet? Verse 12, Art thou greater than thy father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said, Whosoever, say that's me, 
Notice, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come to draw again. Hallelujah. So here we see a type and shadow of what happens when you got born again. First of all, the anointing is the gift of God. Say the gift of God. Say it's a gift of God. How many know the new birth was a gift? The Spirit in you is a gift. Now I'm going to learn and I'm going to trust the Spirit of God on the inside of me. So that tells me that you have everything you need to live a joyous, happy, powerful, exciting life. If you're looking somewhere else, you're looking in the wrong place. When God gave you the anointing, He's done everything He can do for you, praise God. He's given you the authority and the power of God on the inside of you and everything that you need on the inside of you. So what do I need to do? I need to make sure that this well in me, as it's called a well, keeps springing up. How does it spring up? By faith. It doesn't spring up by saying, I'm just having a bad day. I don't know what's going on. It's just terrible. And now it's going to rain probably, and my God, and I've got to go to my job and deal with those people there. And I just can't seem to find any joy. Joy, give me some, give me some joy, Lord. Please give me some joy. You're not going to have any joy. Even God can't break through that. See, you want to get in line. The Bible says he gave me joy. Praise God, I got joy. Hallelujah. He gave me peace. I got the peace that passes all understanding. It's so good. In the natural, I ain't got an ounce. But bless God, I got the peace of God that passes all understanding. What happens is the well starts kicking up a little bit. And pretty soon you get peace that passes understanding. Pretty soon the joy of the Lord is there. Praise God. Things start operating in you. You're going to learn sometime that critical negative talk doesn't help you at all. See? And that's why Jesus warned us. Sometimes we just think he talks just to talk. But he comes and says, why do you worry? See, when he asks me a question, I think about it. I think he's actually, you know, why does he worry about it? He's eating, drinking, kingdom of God, hallelujah. No, he says, why do you worry? So I sit down and said, why do I? That's a good question. So I sat there and thought about it. Why do I worry? Why well, worry because of this, and I worry because of that, and I worry because of this, and, worry because... and then I started dealing with those things. Amen. Come on now. Why do you worry? Why did he say that? Because he wants the anointing on the inside of you to operate in your life. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, I know that scripture. That's in John. I've read that before. You're not telling me nothing new. Yeah. Well, did you ever read the one on joy? <laughs> Come on. These aren't just scriptures. These are things to help you grow up and put into action in your life. Praise God. He said, come to me, all you that find life worrisome labor. Why is that? I'm going to give you some rest. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because you've got an anointing on the inside that's going to take care of every burden and everything that comes into your life, and you have the power to run them out of your life. Praise God. So the joy in you is basically peace I leave with you, peace I give with you, joy that no man can take away from the inside of you, but you're going to have to use faith, say faith, in order to pump it out of the inside of you. Praise God. That's why you have to remember who's on the inside of you. And there's a difference. People say, well, I'm filled, I'm filled with the Spirit. i got the Holy Ghost. There's a difference between the presence of the Spirit and and the manifest presence of the Spirit. See, He's in you all the time, but He's not in manifestation all the time. He's in manifestation when you're in a position to allow Him to manifest out of the inside of you to someone else. So that's why you need to, why do you worry? That's why you need to not worry anymore, not be anxious anymore, not be fearful anymore. Because when the time comes that He needs you, your well's going to be hard to pump because it has been pumped in a long time and it's settled down in there. So you've got to walk up all the time. How many know that? You know, if somebody calls you, it, it wants, to, wants prayer at 11 o'clock, and it's 10 o'clock, and you have to go in your room for an hour to pray to get ready, chances are you should have been ready. Yes. 
Are you following me? This is a lifestyle. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't a, a, at noon you should be on fire, but at one o'clock you can be depressed, depressed if you want to. No, no. This is a lifestyle that you walk in, that you live in, that you do, praise God, all the time. So you're always ready. You go to Walmart. Of course you're going to get some joy. Look at the people. Come on. So you're ready to minister, aren't you? You can't believe some of the stuff, praise God. But you're ready to minister because you've got joy there, praise God. It's a lot easier to do that as long as your well continues to get pumped on the inside of you, praise God. Now, the Bible says that you have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. Say, the Spirit lives in me. Now, does he live in you all the time or just when you feel and have a goosebump and you... Uh, see, you have to make that determination because... We want to live by feeling and emotions and all this stuff. If God said he's in there, let me tell you what, he's in there, praise God. And we put faith in him being in there, he's going to operate in your life in every single area. And he's going to operate when he needs you and where he needs you, praise God. So I had overcome that in my early ministry. Since I had such an experience with God, I had to determine that he lived in me all the time, whether I had a goosebump or whether I didn't have a goosebump. And, you know, I laid hands on people at first, and I could feel the power of God flow out of me and hit people and knock them back about three feet. And I started laying hands on people, and basically I didn't feel nothing. And I'd go home and say, what's going on here? What happened? Did I short circuit? Did my, my gun don't work anymore? My arm? No, I mean, what's the problem here? And God said, did I say lay, lay hands on the sick and you shall feel something? And I said, well, I, I hope it's in there. I mean, no, it wasn't. No, it's lay hands on the sick. And he never promised me a feeling. Oh, and they'll come. I'm not saying there's not, and it's, not, it's bad to have them. I'm just saying sometimes it does and sometimes it don't. But you've got to be based on the Word of God. See, if you're not, it's not going to operate. Let me just, while we're here, we might as well do this. This will be extra, no charge. Look at verse 17. Oh, do I, is that where I want to go? Let's see. Let's see, let's see. Look at verse 15. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to drink. Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, That's right. You have well said, You have no husband, but you have had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Did I say that truly? And notice what she said. She didn't answer. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> How many know there's a time to get religious and not answer the problem over here? <laughs> but notice what happened here. He talks about the well on the inside of you. He talks about rising up on the inside of you. He talks about drinking from that well. He talks about all the things. Then he deals with this woman's issues. Why did he deal with that? He dealt with it because it is a type and shadow that she was married to five different things before. What was she married to? Feeling, seeing, touching, tasting, the natural realm. Everything she got was from the natural realm. He said, you tried them. Didn't work. Got divorced. See, some Christians need to get a divorce. So you can't live by the natural and by the word. It, it never goes along. It's not going to work, praise God. So you've got, to, you've got to divorce those feelings, and you've got to get back over on the word. So a little while, I was married to feelings. I was married to feelings, but I had to get a divorce, praise God. Push it off to the side, say, no more. I'm just going to believe the word of God, and that's it. Let me show you how easy this is. Oh, Lord. Okay, I had a call today, and I might as, or yesterday, and I might as well tell you who it was. It was Mark and Sandy Bender. Sandy was going to have a little procedure done. 
And basically, they had to go in Saturday to get her ready. Well, Mark and Sandy, you know, several weeks ago had COVID. They came through it very well, were very, already even sick, came back here and everything else. Well, she got, had to get tested because I guess you get tested every time you go to the hospital, you got to be tested. So she got tested. She went to Lawnwood up here, and she tested positive for COVID. And she said, I already had COVID three weeks ago. I, I don't have a headache. I don't have sinus. I don't have nada, nothing. She, she said, I can't have COVID again. And they said, well, the test says... The test says, the test says, I said, the test says that you got COVID, so you're going to stay home for 14 days. Now, there was no evidence in the physical realm that she had it, but they still got to be quarantined 14 days because the test says. Okay, so God comes along and says, by his stripes you are healed. But we say, I don't feel healed. I just don't think it's going to work out. We're starting to believe the lies and have to abide by the lies of the enemy, even though we have no physical evidence. But yet we can't go to God and believe what he says because we've got... Time for some divorces. See? Time for your divorces. There's divorces that take place. And the more you get divorced from these things, the more powerful the anointing of God will be on you. Because when you get on the Word of God and it operates in your life, I'll tell you what, it will worketh. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say, I have a well. The indwelling spirit. The anointing of God within. It's a well of peace. A well of joy. A well of divine life. I choose to drink and live from that well by faith. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, here's Paul dealing with the Corinthian church. How many know he had a lot of problems, it seems like, with the Corinthian church? So he wrote them a letter and basically said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 16, he said, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Now, how many know he was talking to people who had the Spirit of God in them? He was there, but apparently he knew that they were not mindful of the Spirit of God and the anointing that they have and was operating in them. So basically he told them, he must have looked at them and say, they sure ain't getting this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now notice, that's, he just wrote that in chapter 3. He's already in chapter 6 doing the same thing, telling them the same thing. Why is that? Because they do not understand. You know, the, the song when the thing was messing around this morning, I love singing that song. It reminds me that I got him in my hands. I got him in my feet. He better be in my walk, and he needs to be in my talk. And then he'd be all over me. But if you ain't got him nowhere, he's not going to be anywhere. Are you following me? He's going to be on the inside of you, praise God. What is it? Once again, it's a reminder that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. All right, go to 2 Corinthians. Still didn't get the point across. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. 
For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Who said? God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So what he's doing, he reminded them again, then look what he does in verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and stop touching the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, said God Almighty. So this tells us this is one of the things we need to understand to grow up from childhood to sonship, isn't it? We need to see him as father rather than just God. How am I going to do that? I'm going to come out from all the unclean thinking of who I think I am, and line up with who God says I am. And by doing that, I'm going to become, as a man thinks in his heart, so as he become that. And I'm going to start operating in that by the power of the Spirit of God on the inside. Notice, every place you go, God goes. I've heard pastors preach these sermons and then go out and commit adultery. How can you? How can you believe that God lives in you and then go out and do something like that? You must not really believe that God... Man, I'd be petrified. Are you kidding me? Ain't no way. Even if he was just in heaven looking down, be enough to scare me. Come on, would it not? But he lives on the inside of you. It's not like he, do, he don't see what you do when you do it. And he's not wanting you to do those things. He's wanting you to do the right things so the anointing of God operates in you and you can complete the work that he puts you here to do to begin with. He wants your purpose to be completed, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, dear Lord. Go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Even as a pastor, I'm so surprised. You know, people walk up to me and they'll cuss. They'll say, oh, I'm sorry. Why? Oh, why? You, you cussed 42 times over there. You came over here one time and cussed and you're repenting. What happened to the other 42 cusses? You think I was going to condemn you to hell? Or, or I got some holy power? Or, or I mean, just be yourself. And if you need to make the adjustment, and that tells me they know it's not right. Come on now or else they won't apologize when they do it to me. They're basically saying, I shouldn't be doing that. Well, then don't do it. Over here. What's the difference? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. All right, look at verse 22. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Say habitation. habitation. Say it again. Habitation. Now notice, the church has taught for years, we're waiting on revival, revival's going to come, the Spirit's going to move, the Spirit's going to show up, the Spirit's going to come. And that was good for a while because some people didn't even know the Spirit. I mean, that was step A. That's like kindergarten, Holy Ghost A. But then basically he says that it's not a revival you need, you're a habitation. God inhabits on the inside of you. God spoke to me one time on my prayer time. I was praying for revival because that's what I was taught to pray. That's what I was doing. I was going to revivals, which were fine. I was doing things like that. And God said, I don't want you to go to any more revivals. I want you to be revival everywhere you go. I said, said, well, that's probably a good idea, you know. Because what am I doing? I'm running to revival. I'm getting all charged up. I'm going back home. I'm getting all depressed. Then I'm going back to the revival. I'm getting all charged up. I go back during the week, and there's the kids, and there's everybody. And back, back and forth, talk about up and down. I felt like a yo-yo of some kind, praise God. Then I found out when I was a habitation that God lives on the inside of me, I wanted to put faith in what's on the inside of me. So you've got to be careful what you hear and even what songs you hear. You don't want to hear songs where you've got to call down out of heaven, where you've got to ask him to send him on down, and he's already down. He's down deep in your heart and in your spirit, praise God. That's where he lives, and that's where he is, hallelujah. So I want to put faith in that. I want to listen to songs that tell me that. I want to, things that enforce that on the inside of me. All right, one more, 1 John chapter 4. This one you know by heart, probably. 
There's a mighty move of God coming, but it's going to be when the Holy Ghost is allowed to move the church. Everybody's waiting on God to move. If we start moving, we'll see revival, praise God. That, we're the ones here. We're the ones he put here. If he didn't want us to do anything, he'd have kept the authority and power and just told us to walk around and he'd help us out every now and then. But it's not it's the power because we need the power. He gave us the authority because we're going to need the authority. He gave us dominion because we need dominion. Then he said, go rule. Jesus never looked at his disciples and says, don't worry. I'll send the Holy Ghost. He'll take care of everything. He said, no, you go. You go preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick. You cast the devil out. You do this stuff. You're the one that's going to do this because you're in power. Well, I ain't got anything. God's got all the power. Well, a lot of good you're going to be. See what I mean? We've got to take a hold of what God says is truth. It's not, it's not pride to claim something that he bought and paid for you and gave to you. It's only pride if you're religious and think you earned it. Boy, that was good right there, wasn't it? Yeah. Where'd you get this great anointing? Oh, I just prayed and prayed and ate peanut butter and chips is all I ate for two weeks. And... No, that's not why you got it. You got it basically because he lived you, died for you, and empowered you with the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. All right, First John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God. Now, that's good there, isn't it? Isn't it nice to know where you're of? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, talking about demonic spirits, the curse, everything else, because greater is he that is coming back on a white horse, greater is he that is in heaven, greater is he is going to send him on down, if you keep singing, send him on down. No, greater is he that's than he that's... Now, that's a complete mind change. If you think he's up there, it's one mind change, but if you know he's on the inside of you, how many of you know it's a lot easier to overcome things in your life when you know he lives on the inside of you? Praise God. Why don't people fear the devil? They don't know he's in them. You don't know the Holy Ghost is on the inside of them. Why should I fear him when I got something much bigger on the inside of me? Praise God. Why are you afraid to walk in dark? See, we're afraid of all these little things out there. You don't need to be afraid of them. You got God on the inside of you, you know. Oh, a bug. Come on. And what does that tell you about the God on the inside of you? If a bug ran out and you're running the other way. Greater is the bug out there than the Holy Ghost in me. No, come on. Dear Lord, who's in you? Who's on the inside of you? Who's there all the time? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The fears of the devil, the Bible says. It doesn't mince words. It's not of God, then it's of the enemy, praise God. Smith Wigglesworth, the key to his success, I just remember, greater is he that's in me than he's that's in the world, and I am a thousand times bigger on the inside than anybody can see on the outside, praise God. And each one of you here today, guess what? You are a lot bigger on the inside than you're taking credit for, praise God. But you can start taking credit for it right now, praise God. They want to talk sickness, disease, you talk healing. They want to talk the devil, you talk the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, praise God. Don't even join along with it. Just contradict everything they say. Just block it down, praise God. They'll either come along with you or get mad at you. But either way, it protects you. Hallelujah. So greater is he that's in the world, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So that means, once again, I've got to look at the things that are not seen instead of the things that are seen. Because the things that are in me are eternal that I can't see, but the things out here are now, you control how temporary they are. See, if you're going to side with the devil in every problem in your life, it's going to be a long contemporary for you. But if you know who's on the inside of you, praise God, and the power and the eternal spirit of God and the glory of God that's on the inside of you, and you speak to that thing and release that power in the name of Jesus, it's going to be very shortly contemporary. But don't worry, there's another one coming. I mean, you know that. And you just knock that thing down again with the power of God that's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I am born again. Of the, of the Spirit, 
I have God's nature on the inside of me. I choose to live in joy, to live in peace, to live in forgiveness, to live in power, to live in authority. I will no longer have any bad days because my bad days are gone forever. Greater is he that is in me than anything I run into in the world. I am more than a conqueror in him who loves me. I choose to grow up, be a son today, walk in faith, walk in the power, no more fear, no more worry, no more despair, no more worldly crap. I choose to live in the power of God, fulfill my purpose, and hear one thing at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. All right, hallelujah, glory to God.